Hello and welcome. Um, here we are on the Chakra Way Meditation Podcast. And today I have a guest for you, Rebecca Doring. Now, Rebecca is the founder of a podcast, um, Inner Critic Freedom is the name of the podcast. And honestly, that says a lot about what we're going to talk about today. Um, Rebecca is also a, a yoga teacher, a meditation teacher and an energy worker. And um, I can't wait to get into this conversation because I feel like we all have an inner critic that really can sometimes get in the way of our lives and what we want to do. And so I'm really delighted to welcome you. Thank you, Rebecca, for joining me today. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah. So an inner critic coach is something that I think everybody needs I mean I I count myself in that um you know I don't think that there's many people who can say I have no inner critic that gets in my way and doesn't disrupt my day or my life in some way so this is a fantastic little niche that you have found because I, I just think it's like super necessary and relevant to everybody. But how did you get into this? Because, um, yeah, I mean, how, how did this begin for you? Yeah, well, it began because I myself was uh, so deeply affected by my inner critic. Mm. And it started, I was not, I didn't become a coach or a meditation teacher or anything. I didn't have that desire growing up what I had a desire for, or I had a knowledge exactly of how my future would go, I knew with certainty that I would become a pastry chef. And I knew that that from eighth grade and all of my friends were jealous because I knew what I wanted to do with my life and they were, you know, trying to figure it out. So I went on to go to the Culinary Institute of America and learned baking and pastry after I graduated from high school. And in that experience, I was so deeply a perfectionist, which being a perfectionist in the baking and pastry world works very well yes, because it it's demanded. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Right. So it, it helped me in a lot of ways <clears throat> learn how to create perfect pastries, quote unquote. But inside, it caused so much suffering where I would there were times there was an, an experience. I made my very first wedding cake. A friend of mine had invited me to do that. And I brought this wedding cake to the venue. My mom was there with me and I was totally in knots. And she said, like, we, we need to get a picture. And I did not want to get a picture. And she's like, no, we have to get a picture. This is your first wedding cake. You need to do this. Mm -hmm. So I did. And in the picture, I still have it. You can see my hands are in fists. My shoulders are up high near my ears. I am, I look like the picture of stress with a strained mm. smile because the whole time, all I was seeing were the flaws of that mm. wedding cake. And I felt like this was a failure, even though this was a win. And mm. I, so that desire to feel better from that was what propelled me into this world step-by-step after I graduated from pastry school, I felt even more burnt out and disconnected from myself, even though I hoped that following this path, doing this thing that I loved baking would bring me greater happiness. It very much did not. <clears throat> mm. So I kept, kept inching my way, searching, 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 still loved baking, still wanted to be in that industry. 
And then something more uh, life-changing happened where my father got diagnosed with terminal cancer. And in that moment, my life hit a crossroads. There was a, I could see that I could keep going the way I was going, keep beating myself up, keep being so hard on myself and attach myself to his journey and his trauma and his experience. And it could take me down a pretty dark path or I could choose a different way, a kinder way for myself and follow my own journey and be there for him. Yes, but also find my own journey in that experience. And that is what I did. And that in that moment, someone mentioned massage therapy to me and I was like, huh, I need to do that. And I, I had no idea why, but I felt compelled to go to a massage therapy school discovery workshop. And as soon as I walked in, the teachers entered the room and I could feel this calmness, this groundedness in that, in their presence. And I felt so different than that. And I thought I need to go here not because I've been dreaming of massage therapy my whole life, but because if I learn from these teachers, maybe I'll learn how to feel that way too. Mm. And that's when they introduced me to meditation very, very early on. I needed to start meditating. And that was like, that was why that was the reason why I was meant to find massage therapy. It was so I could find med meditation. And then from there, it was a stepping stone, becoming a yoga teacher, energy worker, stopping massage therapy and switching into having an online business where I, I help others, particularly wellness professionals, yoga teachers, people like me who massage therapists who want to do more in their businesses, but the inner critic self-doubt imposter syndrome can keep us frozen. Yeah. So that's it in a nutshell. <laughs> wow. And that's such a journey. And, and I love that, you know, it, I think it speaks to, to so many different, you know, it speaks to, it will speak to a lot of people and that we have this ambition and you think, yeah, I can do that. And it, and it resonates particularly with me. And I find it very funny because um, before I started doing um, the chakra way as a full-time um, business, I too was a caterer. I was a cook. Ah. And so I would cater weddings and I would cater dinner parties and, you know, what have you. Um, and whilst I loved the creation, creative part of it, and I loved that, you know, the, the, the food bit of it, if you like, mm -hmm. the stress of actually putting on and making it perfect, mm -hmm. I was exactly the same. It was so much hard work and it was so stressful. And my organizational brain, you know, I'd be going to bed at night thinking about lists and envisaging everything. And it was a lot of it was a lot of um of good lessons in it because it made me understand how visualizing how you want a day or a thing to go actually really helps it, you know. And if I hadn't spent the hours and hours that I did visualizing the sequence of events, how the wedding, you know, food and everything was going to go. I don't think it would have happened at all. <laughs> but oh my gosh, yeah. I, I was so happy to give that up, um, mm. focus on this thing. And it, I just think that that parallel is really funny that we were both in food and now we're both like full-time yoga teachers, coaches, uh, doing energy work. It's fantastic. Oh gosh. So this inner critic work, this is the big, the big nub, isn't it? I, I think mm. we all have this imposter syndrome in our careers, in our lives, in our relationships as well. Mm. You know, 
uh, there's a lot of people that I work with who have this very deep sense of like I'm not being enough or not mm. being worthy and that's you know very very common um way of thinking and and we get in our own way so frequently with our thought patterns and and it is just that thought pattern and it, usually it's something that somebody else has given to us there you go have that as a thought in your life for the rest of your life and I'm going to walk away and forget about it forever <laughs> yep. um so so how do you zero in on this this work with the inner critic because freedom from that is freedom from a lot of the stuff of life that we don't want to carry with us how do we mm. how do we even start mm. yeah the the first the first thing <clears throat> The step one is something that I learned in meditation, and it's something that <clears throat> is the tool that I give all of my students. And I tell them, if you walk away with nothing but this one thing, this will help you. And it is getting curious, shifting into curiosity. Mm. We cannot be judgmental and curious at the same time. And I find that curiosity is the antidote to judgment. So when we're in that pattern of spiraling, of judging ourselves, of judging our work, of judging our thoughts, our patterns, all the things, shifting into curiosity, maybe even starting by getting curious about that pattern itself instead of judging it, which is a natural thing to do with, as, with self-awareness. And especially if we're in the yoga and the meditation world, we develop our self-awareness and we become so acutely aware of these patterns that are holding us back that it's very natural to then judge ourselves for judging ourselves or beat ourselves up for beating ourselves up, right? <laughs> but shifting into curiosity to me is is step one, is getting curious. And I, I love to think about like an explorer. An explorer doesn't seek to fix what it finds or throw it away and find something better or change it or judge it or resist it. An explorer just wants to discover what is. And the same is important and necessary for the inner critic work to navigate through it so that you can come out the other side more connected to the truth of who you are, not connected to the lies of those stories, but connected to the truth of who you are and able to see the truth around you see the world more clearly yeah so what tools do you because when you say that get curious what instantly came up for me was a, a little hack that I you that I love to use and I've done a blog about this I've talked about this like a while back is and this is in relation to um affirmations and just kind of uh uh, yeah, I mean, let's, let's just leave it at that for affirmations at the moment, is putting what if mm. in front of a statement, any statement about yourself, you know. So if you want to feel like enough and you go around doing that affirmation, I am enough, and and then you have your inner critic comes up and starts having an argument with you and going, yeah, but you're not, are you? And mm -hmm. all of that rubbish. Um, if you go, what if I am enough? it gives you the freedom of mind to go yeah what would that feel like what what mm. if what if i was good enough actually maybe i am is is an easier conclusion to come to when you put that curiosity in front of it i love that so so mm. how do you engender that curiosity within a daily life because 
you know, we go through our lives and when we're in that mindful, aware state, so we're meditating or practicing or reading or, you know, trying to better ourselves in some way, we've got a positive mindset. I'm I'm doing this for myself and that makes you feel good about yourself on the whole. But if you're just going about your daily do, you're in the supermarket, you're on a date, you're at work, you're what, doing whatever, and this insecurity comes up, it's not so easy to find that that way out if you like it's not you know Mm. the exit sign is not blaring for you to get out of that that mindset or that thought pattern so how do you how do we deal with that yeah I love this question for the first thing that I would say is we don't get out of it and the the desire is how do I stop feeling this way how do I how do I feel better how do I not feel this and in curiosity we allow ourselves to feel <clears throat> exactly as we do. So if you're like in the grocery store and something happens, maybe you bump into somebody and they say something and it starts to trigger a negative thought spiral and you start to walk away feeling that heaviness on your chest. In that moment, you can be walking around in your day and shifting into curiosity. First, it starts with recognizing, right? We need to recognize the pattern because it's kind of like it feels almost like a tornado where you're in the center of it and all you see is the tornado. So then becoming aware of the tornado itself, oh, here this is, and not seeking to get rid of it right away. But what if I were to, that what if question, I love what if, I think what if is such a powerful question. I love how you said that. But what if I were to let this be here and breathe and just curiously observe it as I walk through my day? How am I responding? What is my body language doing as I'm in the grocery store? Oh, I'm noticing my shoulders are rounding in. I'm noticing I'm wanting to curl in on myself. Oh, I'm noticing I don't want to look at people in the eye anymore. Oh, I'm noticing that I'm feeling my stomach turn into knots, right? It's just literally observing by like, as if you were taking notes and gathering data. And in a more tangible way, I would say, if it were something that was more intense, bringing it to your journal later on and curiously discovering what is going on with your journal. I like to call it a thought release where you say, okay, this thing happened in the grocery store and I'm going to release all of my thoughts about it. Like don't filter myself, say all the icky, judgy, awful thoughts that I wouldn't want to say out loud, put them down on a paper from a perspective of curiosity, getting curious to see why did I react that way? What was really going on for me? What was really coming up for me with a desire to understand and discover what is? Yeah, no, I think that's a really, um, you know, it's a very powerful thing. And I think it comes with um, the same with with all kind of so-called negative emotions and fears and you know, it's the same with grief and all the really strong, powerful emotions and feelings that we have that we want to just push away and we want to, um, you know, just erase them instantly, just like hit delete on our on our button and just let it get it gone. But in fact, what we have to do is simply sit with it and allow it mm. to be. And then it's when it's that's when it loses its power, isn't it? That's that just um sort of observer ship 
of it, just seeing it rather than being in it. And I think when you know that you can just observe it and but that's in itself is quite a tough call sometimes, like even sure. just taking yourself, you know, understanding it. Yeah, I'm feeling like this. But when you've got all of those emotions going on for yourself and, you know, the inner critic, you know, let's just stick with this. I'm not enough. And because mm. that can be relevant to so many different situations. You know, there's such a deep-seated belief in that, that and we're mm-hmm. so we've got so many other stories in our back of our mind that will pop up at the opportune moment and confirm that for us. Um, it's hard to know sometimes whether that feeling is valid and it's the truth or it's uh, 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 just an inner critic voice. So mm-hmm. how do we know? I mean, I, I think you know, we have within us our intuition, beautiful third eye, intuition. How do we know what is intuition, what is inner critic? Because there's Mm. subtle shades within all of that inner voice, you know, and that inner voice of the, of the, of the um, intuition and the inner critic, they sit pretty close to each other sometimes. Um, you know, because they both come from inside. So we don't sometimes know what to trust. So how do we go about distinguishing? Yeah, I love this question. And this question kind of defines my work. Um, There's a quote by Pema Chodron that I absolutely love. And it kind of sums up this work and the answer that it goes, quote, your true nature is like a precious jewel. Although it may be temporarily buried in the mud, it remains completely brilliant and unaffected. And to me, the stories of the inner critic, any story that is under the umbrella of not enoughness is the mud covering the jewel. And so when that feels so true, because it does, because our subconscious mind believes thoughts that carry an emotional charge, it can be a positive emotional charge, a negative emotional charge, and not enoughness carries an an emotional charge for sure. So the subconscious mind is going to be likely to believe that because, oh, here's a, here's a thought and here's a feeling that must mean it's true. So when it feels so true, we have full visceral sensations, our body posture changes. Of course it feels so true, but I see that as simply we are in the mud right now. We are not aligned or connected with the precious jewel of who we really are. When we're in intuition, when we're at connected to our inner wisdom, that's when we've sorted through a little bit of the mud and we've found that truth. And those thoughts always feel expansive. They feel better. They feel, uh, they are life giving. They're, they're hope giving any thoughts that are, that leave you feeling like shutting down, feeling hopeless, feeling terrible are signs that it is part of the mud and not the truth. Just because it feels like it's true doesn't mean that it's true. And then I I love to make it even simpler that if it feels so terrible, the reason it feels so terrible is because it goes against your true nature. That's why it hurts so much because it goes so deeply against the truth of who you are. When you find things that feel better, when you read a quote that speaks to you, when you find a beautiful practice like yoga or meditation that helps you feel more alive, that's bringing you closer to the truth of who you are. And that's why it feels so much better. I love that. I'm just going to let that one sink in for a bit because 
you're absolutely right, obviously. And again, it comes back to that awareness and just sitting with that feeling and going, how does this feel? Mm -hmm. Does this feel expansive or does this feel limiting? And I guess that's that's the the very simple way of of feeling into what is intuition and what is, yeah. you know. And I will add a co- a caveat to it because the the whole feelings of I'm not enough or not enoughness is a part of the human condition. I remember my a yoga training. I was in a teacher training. I went into this teacher training. It was a part of a 300 hour teacher training. So it was many different teachers. I assumed that they had all been, you know, lifelong teachers and could all do all the poses I couldn't do and assume that I was the only one who wasn't worthy of being there, wasn't enough. And everybody else had their things figured out. And I assumed that went into it thinking that I was the only one who felt like not enough. And then on day two, we had a satsang where we were all sitting around starting to open up. And suddenly I started hearing every single person share a very similar story in how they felt not worthy, how they felt not enough, how they were anticipating that they were going to be the only ones who weren't good enough and everybody else would be so, have everything together and be amazing teachers. And it dawned, that was the first moment in my life where it dawned on me that I wasn't the only one who felt that way. And that was perhaps just a human condition. And now through my work of researching this, of studying this, of living this and practicing it for so long now, I fully believe that it is the human condition. And it, it's, it's merely a pattern of survival tools at a young age. It's just mm-hmm. what the human mind does to cope with things at a young age. We assume that when bad things happen, we are the reason because we are the universe in our young minds when we are early and developing. And those patterns stay with us throughout our lives. And to me, the greatest work is shifting out of believing those patterns and finding the beliefs of the truth. And so when we're first starting doing this, like you said, if you start repeating on I am enough, it it can actually feel quite terrible because it goes so against some inner beliefs that are going on. So it's like that can feel terrible. And I like to point out that maybe it's not that terrible feeling isn't the statement I am enough that feels terrible. But it's the story that's coming up in response to it that's feeling terrible. The story that's saying, no, I'm not. (laughs) Like That's not true for me. And that's the part that's feeling terrible. And so those thoughts are in the subconscious mind that we may not be aware of those words, hearing them consciously in our mind all the time, but we might feel a visceral reaction. So it's like, it's very basic and simple to look at it. Okay, if this feels expansive, this is true. If this feels limiting, it's not. But sometimes working on the the worthiness stories can feel difficult to believe, but it's more a sign of, in my experience, it's the sign of the response to that. Those stories that are still saying, yeah, but we're not. That's mm. the part that's like the limiting part. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I get that. I think that's, it's very, very true. And, you know, this is such such big work for all of us. And I think that a lot of people go into this kind of energy work, spiritual work in order to overcome that, Um, Mm. you know, and that inner critic, obviously it sort of runs, it's almost the same thing as as imposter syndrome. I mean, like you were talking Mm -hmm. about in the yoga class, like, you know, I don't know anybody who walks into a yoga class and goes, I'm going to be able to do everything. And I'm going, you know, I mean, yoga is not a contest and it doesn't really matter, but, 
but there is that sense of am I right here but also in in work in life and just in in all aspects of life we can become you know slave to or certainly overcome by the imposter syndrome which is very it's the same same thing isn't it really as the inner critic would you say or is there a subtle difference to me the imposter syndrome is the experience of feeling like I can't have my desire because I am not enough because I'm not strong enough knowledgeable enough skilled enough who am I to do this Mm. uh the inner critic is kind of like the the voice telling you those things it's like right. a square and a rectangle kind of thing yeah. they are they are the same but i feel like the imposter syndrome is that feeling like i can't have my desire and the inner critic is the thing that's saying, saying it. you can't have your desire you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah okay i'm with you i'm with you i mean i think that 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 is such an important thing to um to realize actually it's a really important thing to understand that because we do all go who am i to be here who am i to be you know and sometimes even in relationships like who am i to be loved you know why would they love Mm. me because i've got you know whatever i've got uh, you know pick any number of things that we might think of um and this is the work this is the work that we do is trying to believe you know to 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 have that belief in yourself that yeah we're not perfect nobody's perfect nobody's you know anybody who pretends they are is covering up something or other in my opinion um but we are learning to accept and love ourselves the way we are because this is what this is the experience that we're here to have you know this is you know if you believe in past lives or whatever but you know this particular life you were born here to experience these feelings, to get over this particular hump, to have this lesson in your life so mm. that your soul is growing, your spirit is continuing to be, um, to grow. And and I think I find that, uh, I think that is a comforting thought um, to know that, you know, even when things go really badly wrong, <laughs> as they frequently do in our lives, you go, mm. okay, so maybe this is an opportunity to learn how to respond, how to mm. cope. How did I deal with that? You know, did I lose my rag and go crazy? Or did I actually calmly sit down, take a breath and think about it? You know, it's that those are the pro- bits of progression that that is um, when we hit up against these things um, that I think is really, really valuable. And creating this and, then, and just to sort of to change tack a little bit, because I know that this the other part that we talked about when we were messaging was this um, how to create a good, consistent practice in your life. Mm. Now, everything that we've talked about so far about the inner critic, about imposter syndrome and those that that, that those voices that come up can be softened and quelled and observed and um you know the edges knocked off them and made acceptable or even disappeared by practice the consistent practice and for some people it's a meditative practice meditation some people's yoga practice others it's journaling or reading or you know there's a million different ways that we can combat these things and i think everybody knows what works for them you know everybody knows and they go 
oh, well, it'd be great, you know, if I could just get to the gym five days a week, you know, because that's my, that's like a meditation for me. Or if I could sit down every morning for 20 minutes and meditate, but, you know, the kids get in the way or I oversleep or I'm hungry or, you know, like, God, I mean, just like the list of excuses is forever long. <laughs> and, you know, and I, I'm as guilty as the next person about uh, for that about creating a consistent practice that supports us in this work mm. is key, right? Yeah. And also the inner critic is part of the experience of uh, preventing those consistent practices. That's one of my favorite things to teach is how to become consistent. I actually just created a workshop that's available now that is teaching you how to uh, unlock consistency and long-term results. And it's all dealing with the more inner work side of applying to tangible practices, whether that's in your business or developing a meditation practice or getting yourself to the gym, because a lot of the things, and I, I apply a lot of yoga philosophy and meditation philosophy to helping us uh, develop consistency. <clears throat> the one thing that I think is so powerful that I think might be nice to share that is yoga philosophy is abhyasa and viragya, the balance of effort and surrender. And when it comes to maintaining consistency in our habits, what most of us do is we attach to the results of our habits. We attach to the outcome and we mark the outcome, the results as success. And so if we don't see the results as quickly as we would like, then we feel like it's not working. We're failing. It's not, it's not happening. So instead shifting to attach to the effort itself, showing up for, or attaching that showing up is success. Showing up for your meditation today is success. Showing up for the gym today is success. Tuning into and exploring, enjoying the effort itself, like getting to know what the effort feels like and even learning to enjoy that. And then if we start to do that over time and let go of the results, the results become inevitable. And it makes it a lot easier to show up. It makes it a lot easier to keep going if we miss a day. There's many other things I can teach about consistency, but that one is so profound Anytime I feel like I'm riding an emotional roller coaster when it comes to habits, where it feels so good one day and then it feels so terrible another day, or if you feel like all your progress is lost if you miss a day, or you start beating yourself up because you're not showing up, or you're comparing yourself to others or seeing others people having the results that you want that you're just not getting yet, all of those are typical signs that I might be accidentally attaching to the results. And so then I come back and say, okay, what are things that are within my control that I can mark as success? Showing up and meditating today for how long? Five minutes. When I meditate for five minutes, I'm going to mark that as, as a success. Tell myself this is working. Enjoy the effort itself. Then tomorrow will be a little bit easier to keep going. It'll be more motivating to keep going. Yeah. And I think the same, the same thing is, I, you know, obviously I'm always trying to encourage my students to create a practice, yoga practice at home. Um, and same with my podcast, which I give guided meditations. And I say, you know, use this and do this one on your own. I'm trying to get people to 
create this practice for themselves. And I think that that is the most difficult thing to really get going. And I, I know probably if I think about it, I reckon probably maybe 10% of my students do a yoga practice on their own. Mm. And they just they just come to class and they may come, you know, three times a week and go, it's great, I've done my yoga practice. But it's such a very different thing to doing it on your own. And people say, well, I don't know what to do. I got on the mat and I just don't know what to do. And I, don't, you know, I forget everything all at once, you know, and I don't know what I want to do. Um, or what I should do. That's the thing that they say, I don't know what I should be doing. And my answer is always, well, just do whatever your body feels like doing. You know, it may feel just like lying flat on the floor and, you know, call that a yoga practice, you know, just, <laughs> and that may develop into a, into a, you know, a couple of like, you know, leg stretches or, you know, and then that may turn into a dog pose and that might turn into a, you know, a trikonasana and that might turn into, oh, who knows, you know, but if you're tired, you just take a bolster and do what feels good. Lie back, Baddha whatever feels good. But actually getting yourself into your yoga kit when you haven't, when you're not hungry or have just eaten or you're not tired or you don't have the space or it's cold in the room where you go. You know, there's so many excuses that you can make for yourself to not do it. Mm. Um, that I, I, you know, is that all part of the same thing is because it's that, is that, is that the, what is that that gives you mm. a million trillion excuses not to do it? Yeah, I love this. And I love teaching this because it brings a lot of compassion and compassion and understanding is the antidote to inner critic. So when we don't really fully understand what is happening with that, it's natural to like, beat ourselves up for it. Like, why can't, why do I always make excuses? What's wrong with me? Why can't I just stick to this? Why can't I just do it? Even though it's not, you know, the way I wanted it to. The truth of the matter is there's a part of the human brain that has not evolved since caveman days, the primitive brain that has the motivational triad where it exists to keep us safe and surviving by seeking pleasure, avoiding pain and conserving energy. And if you apply those three things to caveman days, that is the perfect recipe to survive a harsh environment where there is li very little pleasure. And the only pleasure really that is available is life-sustaining, like food, water, rest, sex. Conserving energy is very important because you are literally burning calories to get calories. So you need to conserve energy. And avoiding pain, of course, that's important. There's pain everywhere in that environment. So many dangerous things are painful. But nowadays in our modern society, that part of the brain still operates that same way, but our environment has changed. The majority of us are inundated with pleasure. Our phones are designed to be more addictive and pleasurable. Our, we have homes, we have heat, we have air conditioning, we have transportation. We don't have to conserve energy, but there are so many ways to conserve energy. Our food is designed to be more pleasurable and addictive. There's so much pleasure at our fingertips and not that much pain. Instead, our pain that we experience is emotional pain or discomfort. And so our brain still perceives that emotional pain or discomfort as dangerous as a saber-toothed tiger walking towards us. Nope, that's life-threatening. We can't do that. We need to avoid that pain. We need to seek the pleasure of this couch 
Like, no, getting on that yoga mat, it's cold. That's dangerous. Nope. Let's let's go and be in a warm, cozy spot instead and conserve energy. So when it comes to showing up for our habits, especially habits that require pain or burning calories or getting out of our cozy, comfy, pleasurable places, of course, the primal brain is going to have something to say about it. And that's normal. And so I love teaching how to work with your brain to help you show up, help you show up anyway, and help you listen to time. Like there are times when your body, when your being is telling you, no, we really need to go slow. And then there are times when your body, when your brain is saying we need to go slow, but really you have so much capacity to go hard. You can push yourself. You are capable of doing a stronger practice or going to the gym in those moments and learning to discern that voice and work with your brain to achieve your, your goals, your, your consistency and create a practice, a lifestyle that is satisfying and fulfilling and life-sustaining. It's just wonderful. That is good. That is good. I really like that because that that really makes sense. You know, that primal brain um, thing. <laughs> like, right? I'm, I'm guilty right? of that. Like crawling out of my get. Like this morning I woke up and I was so cozy in my bed. And I had to get up to go and teach a client. And I was just like, that's the only thing that's going to get me out of bed is because I have to, because mm. there's a job to do so. And um, the thought of getting up an hour earlier to do my practice before I go and teach, that was just like, no way. It's way too mm. cozy in here. I am, you know. <laughs> so it really speaks to me that. I think that will give everybody. Uh, and so all of these 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 practices, these um, things that you're talking about here, are within your coach. You know, you you just said that you have a a, a new product out. What was what's that called? What's it all about? It's about sure. Yeah, I have a, a workshop that teaches all the things with in much more detail on how to build and maintain consistency. It's called unlocking or cracking the consistency code unlocking long-term results from your habits. And that can be found on my website, deeprootedbliss.com. I can also give you the link to that as well. Yeah, I'll put that in the show notes, mm -hmm. no problem. And I think that the thing is that, you know, this consistent practice thing, it isn't just about, you know, getting on your mat to do a practice or or meditation or going to the gym. It's about showing up for yourself Mm -hmm. in in so many ways like showing up in your business in your work in your relationships in your you know with your kids with your um family you know all of the thing all of the big things in life that we kind of like oh duck away from oh can't we mm-hmm. don't do that you know and it's a really interesting thing as soon as you begin to understand the psychology of how your brain is working it makes everything so much more manageable because you just kind of believe what your brain brain tells you it's the same with the mm-hmm. inner critic um you know the 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 inner critic says something and you're like oh well I thought it so it must be true right and- <laughs> right and yet when you start questioning like first step is curiosity second step for me is questioning like questioning our thoughts questioning these automatic thoughts, the negative ones, all of them, we start to see that they're not, oftentimes it's not true at all. 
And when you really start to pay attention to your thoughts, as if you are listening to a person narrating your day, you can see how contradictory they truly are. And as soon as you start to do that, it's like, oh, wait a second, here I am attaching my entire identity to these thoughts and feeling like I'm broken in some way, or there's something wrong with me, or why can't I do these things? And you start to understand that, wait a second, maybe it's just because I have a normal human brain. Maybe it's just because I am a human being having a normal human experience. Maybe it's time that I learn how to give myself that slack and that grace and navigate through those challenges to create the life that I want. Because I have a message for you, the listener, that you are capable of so much more than you think. And the desires, I am a firm believer after achieving and creating desires in my life that I had zero evidence for. And in fact, so much evidence proving to me how I could never have it, that now I'm a firm believer that if you have a desire in your heart, even if it makes no sense, even if it's the craziest thing to you, if it's a desire, it is meant for you. And question the thoughts that tell you otherwise. Do the work to keep showing up for that and create the life that you're longing for. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Rebecca. You've been so, so interesting and so inspiring. And I want, um, do please go and have a look. Deeprootedbliss.com is Rebecca's website. So you can find out more about the course that she's doing, about her coaching and all of that. So wonderful. Thank you. It's been an absolute joy chatting with you, Rebecca. Thank you. Oh, so I've loved it. Thank you so much for having me.